Welcome to the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. I am not Quentin Smith. My name is Matt Lees and I have taken this intro like a bandit. Why are you, you looking at me? <laughs> I, I, because you're Paul Dean and you're the other person who hasn't been mentioned. But he's, he's, he's looking at me a lot while he's doing this. Well, you're just in the right place. It's fine. All right, okay. But yeah, episode 27. What's happening yeah. in episode... Oh, I've got it written Meeple's down. Meeple's in heaven. Episode... <laughs> nice! Wow. That, so if you're playing uh, Shut Up and Sit Down podcast bingo, then you might have just oh, finished the line. Oh, what a good idea. He's good. He's not allowed to do the podcast intro ever again. My <sighs> name's Quentin Smith. No, he's not. Today, God, we're going to be talking about all kinds of games that Paul has been playing. Hello, my name's Paul has been playing. In Canada. That's, oh, are we? That's going to be Splendor. It's going to be Exome. It's going to be Alchemist. It's going to be Mysterium and Consulting Detectives. I've got to say, Mysterium, I am like, I want it so badly. Really? I really want it badly. So it was recently <laughs> on, we just covered it on the site. We sure did. We did. Uh, this is one of the few games that I can Well, introduce. we'll get back to that in a bit, but I just wanted to say, I really want it badly. Man. Really? You should want it. And I want, to, I want the Italian one, because I did some research, but we'll come back to Oh, this. the Italian one has plastic crystal balls. It's yeah. a little teaser <laughs> for uh, later. Uh, then we're going to be, well, ooh, I've got I've got Mega Game written down here. We might be talking about the Mega Game, depending on how time allows. we have allows. to kind of do that without spoilers. Uh, yeah, that might be tricky. So maybe instead we'll just talk about me, where I've been. I've been plumbing the depths of Board Game Geek, the bottomless hole of board game knowledge, which... Honestly, never stops. I once found a swinger sub forum on there, and I've never been able to find what? it since. <laughs> so basically, there's whatever we want, we can rotate the lazy Susan of topics, and it will trundle towards us. There sure are, because we also, as always, are going to talk about a folk game that one of you guys have sent yeah. in to the email address on the bottom. Yes. Shutupandsitdown.com. I just put some that... weird connection between people who enjoy board games who are also swingers and uh, card protectors. There's, Ooh, a, there's a joke in there somewhere, uh, but it's filthy, so let's not find it. I could not agree more. Mysterium is a game that is about uh, ectoplasm and getting it in all kinds of places where it shouldn't be, including inside people's heads, isn't um, it, Paul? That, the version that I played, and I made a mistake, <laughs> I thought the game... I did download the German version. The rules were kind of crazy. Uh-oh. What were your rules? Uh, I played a Polish version, which made me think it was a Polish game that was going around at BGG. You were wrong! It's Ukrainian! It's Ukrainian! Um, oh, and with all the troubles that Ukraine is going through right now. And it's really bad. And now you've added to it. I'm really sorry. That's actually quite bad of me. Uh, but yeah, it's a sort of detective guessing ghost game where you have... It's a bit like Dixit, isn't it? You have it's this- a, It is... Jeff Engelstein, designer of Space Cadets and all kinds of good stuff um, that I follow on Twitter, yes. said his main uh, emotion on reading how Mysterium turns Dixit's card-guessing mechanic into sort of a ghosty Cluedo yes. was incredibly annoying, and I was surprised by that. But he says the idea is so obvious, taking Dixit's underlying mechanics and then turning it into a thematic game where one player is a ghost and everyone else is yes. investigators and the ghost can't speak but sends them dreams. Yes, is pictures, cards. apparently obvious if you're smart as Jeff Engelstein, and I would believe that. Yeah, it was. It, it was obvious in the meanest. And oh god, that was obvious. Why yes. didn't I think of that? I think that's, that's how I see it. Rather than rather than, just, <laughs> rather than belittling it, it's a hey, rather obvious design. Pretty obvious <laughs> game you got over there, dicks. <laughs> <laughs> that is how I feel, though. It is a thing where you look at it and you go, "Oh, why didn't I do this years ago?" Yeah. Why Especially didn't you, Paul? What's your I, excuse? What was I Especially thinking? Especially because Dixie is such a brilliant idea, but one yes. that like doesn't quite stand up long term on its own we talked it, about this in the past yeah it, I th- I still think Dixit is quite good but with age it becomes a bit stale I said this in uh, the review that we published on the site uh, which is uh, the written review that I did um, which is it's like Dominion Dominion great game great idea no theme and then it, you know things like Arctic Scavengers and Thunderstone took the same idea and put a, th- a theme yeah. on it 
And if you like it, then you should have put a theme on it, is what I say to all the designers who were looking at Dixit. Do you think Mysterium has a theme? I feel I'm, like I would have got a laugh there from Matt when I, he was drinking No, I was, I was laughing on the inside. I was sort of thinking, <laughs> that's, that's a terrible kind of pun thing, but it's also really, really good, which is the best kind yeah. of pun, really. One so, way, it makes you cringe, but also grin. So Mysterium sort of has a theme, I guess, because... It, you, what do you, you mean you guess? It could well, not have more of a theme. It has every turn is my, a day. Uh, my experience of Mysterium has been that you have this ghost player who's who's dealing cards, which are clues as to uh, what who's killed them. Yes. No, well, kind of. Beautiful cards, which are from a deck of incredibly illustrated dreams trying to point yes. people towards a murder weapon location and killer and the thing is the the card might it might depict a scene that will have a person in and maybe it'll be a certain colour because it might be a card that depicts somewhere at sunset or a very green garden have you played as the ghost? Yes. Okay, so my experience playing as the ghost was that immediate terror of drawing a hand of cards and going, How do I express right. anything with this? Right. And and yeah, that's the thing. And and being the investigator, and you know, a card goes down, you look at it and go, "Am I looking at a garden, or the color green, or the, is the person in the garden significant?" Generally, whenever I've played it, rather than sort of being ghostly and mysterious, and this isn't a criticism, but usually it's been with a ghost going, Ugh, getting increasingly frustrated as we just get stuff wrong. But they don't. But turn. the ghost player in your, I mean, I was doing that as the ghost too, but I was doing it so as not to give anything away. And I think this was. Actually, no one at Shut Up and Sit Down likes Hanabi, the the game where the, the, the award winning game where players hold their cards backwards and need to give hints. No, I don't like that. Yeah, but see, that is <laughs> you, neither do I, and neither does Paul. But that's a game which does feel like this kind of I'm coming up with ways to cheat. I'm coming up with ways to. I don't know. Every time we get into this, we get letters from people, and I don't want I don't want okay, that to happen. But I didn't get that from Mysterium. I got this yeah, kind of okay. actually exciting thing where the ghost really does keep stum. And expresses frustration, which is funny, but doesn't impact the game. Yes. Whereas in Hanabi, the frustration isn't funny, and the cheating does impact the game. No, I think that's fair enough. That's uh, that's a good point as well. And obviously, you have to gradually. You only have a certain amount of turns. You have to gradually guess sort of what is it, who, and why, and how. So yeah, basically, each of these cards I've seen them have like these really intricately drawn, really almost creepy, yeah. very creepy, yeah. with lots of stuff going on in them. And it's and so believable that you know, of course, you're. It, in movies and in real life, when you have disturbing dreams, it, it, it off, those themes often appear in the deck. You know, the stairwell that goes on forever, or the the running away from through a forest, like flying. You know, these are the imagery yeah. the deck draws upon. It's cool, and I, I think that I really like the idea that almost what the game plays upon is because I think that the thing, the way that Dixit works is it's basically like somebody says something and then you will look at your cards and try and find the one that you think best sums that up and it's kind of funny and it's kind of cool yeah. but with this it's more that like you are playing on things that the people who are playing have already been talking about and yes. saying yes and that's so it's true and what's wonderful about that is it means you have this very real world thing of the things that you remember that other people say and this is usually something which is a very negative impact on people's lives. But the things that you remember other people saying to you are often not the things that they remember saying. Yeah. In the same yeah. way that, like, you know, everyone's got an experience where somebody has said something offhand about them. Like, that you could probably talk to them about it 10 years later and go, oh, you remember that one time when you said that, that you know, that I was a bit is... weak or something? Yeah. And they're like, no, I don't remember that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's you're like, Well, I haven't stopped thinking about it for 10 years. <laughs> and it's like, it's the way the human brain is. So you think, oh, they mentioned that. And this thing has got a picture of this on the cards so if I play this they'll go oh it's this mm. but then oh my god that's the whole premise of like the podcast serial is basically misremembered things 10 years later yeah yeah, yeah. 
But even like minutes oh later, you'll be sitting there but going, yeah. you were talking about the, the banister. Discussion and now I've gone upstairs and now you've forgotten the banister. Like, what's wrong but with that? But it's true, the discussion around the table does matter. The thing I find amazing is that Matt hasn't actually played this game and yet it's such a simple and beautiful enough concept that yeah. he's totally able to guess yes. exactly yeah. That's it. As soon as I read it about it and saw it, I just thought, I want this game. And that, that was happening a lot at BGGCon when I, when I, when I played it. Uh, it was... The repu- you know, there are only a very limited number of copies and they're all in Polish, yeah. but the reputation just sort of spread everywhere. I'm Everybody really worried, though, because it's one of these games it. where I've seen the art in the game and I've seen how weird and creepy and abstract it is. And I know that, that there's variation between the different versions. As we're talking, you play the Polish one. The oh, Italian one's quite good, apparently. Yeah, there's a slight difference in rules. And some players, the version I played has wooden tokens to represent players' guesses, whereas other versions have big, nice plastic crystal balls. Oh, yeah, really? and but they 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 are printing it for Western audiences. They are yes. printing it in English. Yes, but there is concern that in doing so, the, the art style might lose some of its creepiness. Yeah, so I saw someone post, I think in our in the comments of our review, saying he was a representative of the company or he'd heard more solid rumors. But I think the stuff that's changing is only actually the people, which I find interesting because I don't know why they'd only change the people. But supposedly, my fears of it being delayed because they're changing a lot of things might be unfounded, but I don't know. Because I just feel that I feel that sometimes, like traditional Western, especially American, um, like ideals of what is creepy. Yes, I find they're often like not actually very creepy. That is true. I mean, my girlfriend is so into sort of horror from different countries and everything. You learn about that. Yeah. But um, you know, so much of American horror is like focused around. You know, legal law enforcement. You know, everyone in American horror films are waiting for the police, and that's been the case for decades. And they're often waiting for the police because it's a physical problem that people can solve. Whereas, as soon as you leave America and and uh, to a lesser extent the UK, things get a lot more abstract, and that's mm. what Mysterium's so good at. It's there is not a card in that game which doesn't imply death, and yet death is on none of them. It's uh, it's really just so elegant. Yeah, yeah, awesome. But wait, no, but hang on. We've been, right, me and right. Matt have been talking about this really excited. But as soon as you mentioned Mysterium, it's great. No, but oh, you like it because you were sort of. You seemed like you had some reservations there. No, before. no, I just like I like hearing both of you sort of bounce off each other talking about it. Well, it's a funny thing. Is I think it is just a simple premise, and it's like if you play Dixit and then you just hear about this, you just go, "Oh, yes, <laughs> obviously." Like, yeah, I yeah. want that. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't really have very many reservations. I do uh, wish it was maybe a little bit. Bigger in terms of had more cards. Oh, really? I, I was really yeah. impressed by how big the Dream Deck was. Um, partly because I just... I, I don't know because I haven't played it enough, but I do wonder whether after playing it a lot, um, that would be a problem. Well, the thing Maybe that wouldn't. everyone is saying is that obviously you can just replace the Dream Deck with the Dixit cards. That is kind of interesting yeah it is and actually we've been sent some of the Dixit expansions and if you weren't dis- like we were all feeling this kind of gentle not disappointed with Dixit but we all feel a little over it I think it's fair to say I enjoyed it the first time I played it and I haven't enjoyed it since but the first time I played it I had <laughs> I had a riot with it the yeah sure it, it was hilarious so I think some degree of that we've all been feeling but the if you haven't been disappointed by Dixit oh my god the expansions are really quite bad there's expansions specifically to address the fact that you've all seen the deck yeah and the kind art in it while immaculate in terms of being exactly the same style I don't know if it's the same artist and she rushed it or something but the card art in all the expansions you can buy for Dixit is so much less interesting and rich yeah yeah. whereas all the stuff in Mysterium like 
there's so much opportunity for you to trip yourselves up because the art in it always depicts like 18 different yes. things, which was always my experience as the ghost. You'd give someone a card which had strings on. And you know what? Scissors cut strings and I'm pointing at the scissors. And then the person flips it. It's like, oh, but there's also a cake in the background. Yeah. Before. And it's like, no. I know. It's amazing, isn't it? What yeah. kind of a murder involves cake? I know. But then <laughs> the thing that you don't get with Dixit as well that's interesting is like um, in Dixit, you take a shot with the best card out your hand and then you move on. Whereas if people don't get your guess in Mysterium or you don't get the ghost's guess, the ghost has to go again, but with a hand where they've already given you the best possible card yeah. that was their best hit. That's part of the challenge as a ghost, actually, is following that up. And the, the fact that you need to give a card yeah. to someone. Because sometimes you won't want to because they're on the right track. And if you just didn't give them a dream that night, they'd probably make the guess they were going to. But no, you've got to give them something. And that can just send them down another rabbit That's hole. That's very true. That's very true. Um, and that reminds me... That, for some reason, that makes me think of Sherlock Holmes. Okay. It does, because um, having played, finally, some Sherlock Holmes consulting detective... Having found a copy after... after you know, that's the number one thing people fans say when they move at conventions and stuff now is, oh, thank you for the work you do, and screw you for what you did to consultant detective. It's, a, it's around again. Well, is yeah, no, the it? reprints has come, I think. The reprint. I think it is. I've got a copy. I haven't actually played it yet. Just because you bought it the instant our review went up. Yeah, I did. I'm kind of quite good at that. Just keep an eye on the site. Like... So cool. we're quite good at reading the site that we all yeah, know. I know, right? I know. I'm like, this is good. Let's buy it. Let's buy it. Yeah, no, you, and you were right. So, so I played, played it a bit. And I also, uh, I was having a chat with a friend who was saying uh, he'd, he'd watched a session where he'd already done that session and solved the case. And he turned up and he didn't say anything. He just watched and he found it really interesting to watch other people solve the case mm. they knew how to solve. Do you want to just quickly blitz through Consult Detective for people at home haven't? Ooh, uh... ooh, where to begin? Yeah, no, okay. It's kind of straight forward yeah i'm gonna describe this really badly it's a game, <laughs> game about solving a mystery in the style of sherlock holmes where you have things like a bunch of uh well not a bunch you have uh recent newspapers yep. that describe current events you have a map of london you have a map of london and you have a bunch of locations you can visit um which are all indexed and when you go to a location uh usually there's something there or someone there who gives you information about You've basically something. got a telephone directory haven't you like, yes. yeah the game is basically about that book yeah, and anything like any postcode, or any address, or any name, you can look up in this book, and it will have something you can read. Which Hopefully, is, almost yeah. all the time, yeah. almost always. Uh, and, and then yeah. the game itself is is over when you believe you've solved quote the murder, and yeah. then you turn to the last page of that case's booklet, and it'll say who did the crime, and then you and know, you say oh. clearly this person and did then it. You turn the page, it's like no, you were wrong. And then the, my favorite. <laughs> The thing to say about this is you get to experience being one of the dudes in the room when Sherlock goes, well, obviously I solved it from this, this, and this. And you hate him. <laughs> because it's like this, it's like a 300-word passage of him, like a description, Even they even have room within the prose to be like, you know, Sherlock pours a cup of tea and turns his back to you and says, you got that right, and you didn't, and you, you don't say anything. <laughs> it's seething. Yeah, I know, and yeah. it's like he's... He's brilliant in a slightly implausible way, which when you're reading the books, you just you think, oh, I could do this. But when he's in front of you, you're like, you're a lying son of a bitch. There's no way. <laughs> and then you, you visit 20 different locations and Sherlock visited six. Yeah. And so you score minus 50 points. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it works really well. It's really interesting. But having a chat with a friend who said, you know, I've done a particular thing already. It's, it's his theory of um, 
you you don't overcomplicate your deduction. I know, I know. And it's like people just look at things and they throw in possible hypothetical factors this is, and they overcomplicate their thinking. It's and, a problem which within game design in general, video games and board games, you so rarely encounter of giving you a puzzle. And yeah. Usually it's like in any video game, you, you solve the puzzle, you work to it, and then you complete it. Sherlock Holmes is one of the few games where you can go rocketing past the solution yeah. because there's no way of knowing. Like you can yeah. have the murderer de- or whatever dead to rights and you know exactly how they did it. And then one person around the room of the people you're solving the crime with was, oh, but what about the butler? And you yeah. all go, yeah, he was weird, wasn't he? And we then went you to spend the butler convention. An Let's hour go there. and a half going to the butler convention and meeting his nemesis. Who has a lion. And yeah. you're like, obviously- <laughs> Obviously, they were killed by a lion that they let into the room. It's so good, and it's about it's about trying to needle the only details that matter. We had but. an amazing uh, tweet from a guy uh, who uh, a reader of Shut Up It's Down who um, played it with an actual detective. I don't know if I mentioned this on oh. a previous podcast, but he tweeted us a photo of their notes. Like it was him and his wife, and then this friend of theirs who's a detective, and it was like the most sinister, like Dexter esque shit. It's it was like a really clean pad of paper, and the detective's notes were like small line, like this happened, a time, a date, a thing with a question mark, and that was it. And he just like solved it immediately. Wow! Because of but it's exactly what you're describing. It's that thing of not overcomplicating it, which, yeah. I, which I would guess detectives are solved because when you're presented with a real-life case where evidence is infinite and everywhere... It's the most likely you're thing. To- yeah, yeah. You're just, you just gravitate towards most likely it's, things. It was the boyfriend. Yeah, in, and it is in like yeah. nine-tenths of yeah. cases or whatever. But apparently some of that logic still applies in Sherlock Holmes where like you find a dude's mummified body in a river and his best friend was killed by a lion the previous day or whatever. It's good. I mean, yeah. I'd say that actually is a bit of a, a, a jump, but... That that experience of like not, of not is when you have games that basically don't have anybody specifically there. That when you go, what about this? There isn't somebody in front of you to go, uh, <laughs> to kind of give you that look as if to go, you've sort of lost the plot because there's no one there to yeah. do it. So you can't even read the other person. And I, th- I found a really similar experience again with um. With the mega game, oh, nice! Uh, the other day, segway, and I think that was partly because uh, in the sort of second Watch the Skies we played. Yes, what's Watch the Skies, Matthew? Watch the Skies. What is it? Watch the Skies is basically um, XCOM, um, but in real life. What's XCOM? Matthew? XCOM. Well, we can do XCOM because XCOM had a board game recently, so most people <laughs> hey. should know what XCOM is. All right, um, but it's basically alien invasion. There are aliens coming to Earth. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. But then the idea is that all the aliens are played by a bunch of people. Yeah, this was a game of like, I think something like 200 people were it involved. Was, it was 300 maybe? I don't even know. It was hundreds, which is more so than many. 10 This was times an event put on by the UK Society of Mega Game Makers. We went to the first Watch the Skies, which was our first mega game last year. We did a video about it that you guys should totally watch. Um, and we went to the sequel. What's this guy's two global conspiracy? And this it had year. tons more people. And nine people playing the media, three people playing the Pope and his aides. It had like thirty like alien corporations. Players. There were corporations who have to, yeah. you could, and we should. Yeah, we should tread very carefully for spoilers. Yeah. I mean, we're basically we don't want to spoil anything because we will be having video at least of going over the entire day, and it will be a lot of fun. And I'd say if you're if you're kind of intrigued by this, do go and watch yes. the first video now because it will not. Yes. It will not be a waste of your time. It may look like a bunch of idiots running around a town hall and that's what it is 
But it's it's very much worth a watch. Idiots who genuinely believe they are the president of Uruguay or whatever. Uh, people can do all this at shutupandsitdown.com if you found our podcast by by its lonesome. By its own. There's more pop- floating more around waiting for you. Swimming the- around iTunes sadly on its own. Um, oh, now I feel sorry for our podcast. It's fine. It lives that probably on the isn't happening. Well. It it's probably not like that. Come home. But anyway, this um, <laughs> wonderful, weird <laughs> mega game thing yeah. that has all these people is controlled by, you know, basically the equivalent of having a games master, but there's lots of them. And in yes. the first one we did, there it was sort of hectic, but it was also quite enough for the people who were in control, the control team, to also have quite a good idea of what was happening. And it meant occasionally um, you would kind of get the sense when somebody would see you were barking up the wrong tree and they might just be a bit like, well... Maybe. <laughs> uh, often they didn't want to give away much, but sometimes you could just tell by the look on their face that what you'd said was probably yes. just madness. Yeah. But that didn't really happen this time because there were so many more people. There were so many more controls as well, but it was just a much more manic space. It was. It turns out the biggest result from tripling the size of the game is there was just so much misinformation and Chinese yes. whispers flying around. And just the tiniest things. We got into like an... It's probably fine to... I doubt this will make too much of a plot point, but we got into an international kerfuffle when yeah. America... Oh, God, what was it? I Okay. This this will seem boring, but rapidly get exciting. So, uh, all, within all the airspace in East Asia, because we were the nation of Japan, um, there were all kinds of UFOs, and China immediately started encroaching on our airspace. We encroached back harder. Uh, and then the whole of East Asia was cut up into uh, countries saying, we'll cover this, you cover this, all this stuff. Fine. Then America sent a plane in to help. And I had to say, no, 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 America, no, because, no, we've got a whole situation here. Don't, let's not complicate it. And America took that to mean what? That they shouldn't shoot down aliens? That mm. we were rebuffing our alliance with there them? There was a big problem we had with America, which just purely came down to a lack of a problem with communications. And that was kind of the fun thing that was added by this number of people was, as you say, Chinese whispers, people not actually having conversations with each yeah. other as frequently yeah. as they should. And so having third-hand information about what people were saying or doing Yes. really tainting your view of what was happening. And the biggest problem this came down to was the fact that because America had loads more staff, I think they had 15 people. Yeah. You'd said, to me, you'd said to me, you've got to tell the Americans not to come into our airspace anymore. And so I'd gone to try and talk to the president. Unfortunately, the president was busy. So I talked to one of his aides. <laughs> and his aide had a notebook and I told him three things. I told him, I said, look, don't send any of your interceptors over to Japan because honestly we've got loads of interceptors we don't need any of them in our skies it will be fine Yeah, but we're not saying we don't want you anywhere near us and actually would you be willing to send some armed forces to look after the Olympics <laughs> and there was something else I need to oh, mention as well and the problem now. was that the second half of the message didn't make it through so then it had the US basically saying don't come anywhere near us <laughs> during the Olympics and so they were freaking the hell out and quite rightly but wow. actually I was like no I wanted you to send loads of people like See, this is um, a similar thing to Consultant Detective as well, with humans just desperately trying to solve puzzles and talk this, all this stuff out. Well, I got most of my information in that game for the first half from talking to, like, the nation of Venezuela. Yeah. And the thing is, right, the nation of Venezuela, the military aid, knew stuff. He knew it. He'd heard things. But obviously, when you're talking to the military aid of a bigger country, you want to sound like you know things. So he was hearing rumours uh, and then passing them off to me as facts. Like, oh God, what was it? A cat was abducted, which somehow came to him that he heard, he extrapolated this, that the aliens want cats. Two, I shit you not, he told me there was a cat factory in Africa that was producing cats. And so obviously to me, I took this to the president of Japan. I'm like, the aliens want cats. 
uh, which yeah, which obviously yes. is just you can see you can yeah. trace that. I mean, we won't spoil any of them, but I am aware that there were throughout the day lots of moments of me going, "Oh my god, I've worked it out," <laughs> and then spouting the most insane theories. There was um, a lot that just the number of people, the distance of communication, trying to find yeah, out what is happening it, it somewhere. Just became and- messy. You you'd ha- supposed to have a conversation with somebody, you didn't, and things got lost and. There was just it, it was it was messy, but in a way that was quite good. But it meant that because of this, because there was such, it was actually impossible for the people controlling the game to do anything other than just keep it all tied together, like yeah. in a kind of like a rusty machine that was going down a railway line about to fall apart. That's <laughs> yeah. all they could do. They they couldn't keep an eye on any of the context or conversations, and so we were just running around like nutters, like just saying all sorts of nonsense. And probably spreading more misinformation than we even received in the first place because of our wild theory. Oh, speaking of wild theories. Ooh. That was a smooth segue. You've been playing Alchemists recently. A little bit, yeah. Which is uh, which is the second well, this year of those exciting app-controlled games. Yeah. Ah. Where it's a board game that has an app that tells you a thing. It, it is, by Czech Games as well, which uh, one of our it has that... Publishers. One of our favourite publishers. It has that kind of Czech Games, uh, slightly kooky art, and it has the Czech Games... Moving on from the arts. Slightly kooky rules. Sounds good. In terms of, like, uh, a lot of the rules are very simple. You just have to sort of learn them all once. And there's a few sort of clause exceptions things like, you know, most of the time you do this except when you do this and this is why. It's got that kind of check games rule thing. And it's also got that check games thing of uh, being quite hard insofar as... Quite hard but also causing you to fail in silly ways. Yes. This is a game about being an alchemist, right? It's a game about being an alchemist. You have lots and lots of different reagents. Yeah, that's quite hard. Yeah, it is because <laughs> you don't know what you're going to make when you combine the reagents. No, However, I know that they spent a lot of time trying to make the Alex of Eternal Life and gold, and spent a lot of time making other things. Alchemy was basically a religion. They had a cool, weirdly, they had a cool exhibit on on it in London Science Museum. Yeah. Where the exhibit basically said it's not a science. <laughs> uh, Shouldn't even be a, yeah, it's it, stupid. It was, it was the. It was a very weird thing reading that. But in this fantasy world, you can actually make potions, right? Well, yeah, you have a bunch of reagents. Combining the reagents creates potions that do certain things, Sounds such good. as make you healthy or make you go insane. I uh, see. So it's very useful to know which combinations work <laughs> because you can then sell those to people. Um, and this and is, and the app tells you what. So the reagents. Do you sell the recipe or do you sell the product? You sell the product. Well, this is the thing. Hopefully you learn the recipes because every time you start, the app will um, sort of reshuffle the possibilities. So you'll never know. You'll have just played a game. You play another game. Two things that previously made a potion of of lovely healthiness now make somebody really weak. Um, Right. And obviously, being you know, it's an expensive kind of job. Rents are expensive and fancy. You want to make expensive. you want to make money selling the right kind of stuff to people to make them happy. Uh, and every every turn, people turn up and they want to buy specific things. So hopefully, you're a guy who goes, "Aha! I know how to make that. I make that. I sell it to them." <laughs> However, what are the consequences? You have people who turn up going, "You know what? I really want something that's just going to make me." really mad I think I think people do they don't want it themselves isn't that they, called a pub they, <laughs> sort of, yeah, they take it and they give it to other people like assassins want po- potions oh, cool. that make you uh, the thing is how are you going to find out 
Which reagents do rich? Feeding them to your dogs. students. Students or yourself? That so that's so check games. What's the result of drinking a potion that makes you mad? Well, uh, let's start with the students. <laughs> the first time you give a potion to a student and it makes them unhappy, uh, they in future they ask mo- for money to test <laughs> potions. So it's things like you want to establish player order because you want to make a student ill first. Oh wait, other people so you will share, share the students. <laughs> Uh, yes, okay. before they ask for compensation. Um, <laughs> naturally, you know. If, oh God! <laughs> you know, you have a. Uh, it fundamentally has a kind of a worker placement thing, a, a thing where you place tokens on a central board to decide what you're going to do. Yeah. So if you can jump onto things before other people, you get certain advantages. Um, there's also ways where this can backfire. Where, like, uh, if you accidentally make yourself ill, you have fewer tokens to put oh, okay. on the board. Cool. Because you've just tried to... But you know what the, the potion does now? You're really sick and your next turn's not going to be great. But you know that if you combine those two things, sure. bad thing happens. And then as you do this for a few turns and then at so, the end of the game... I've got to tell you. I've got to oh, tell go you. On. There's a sort of an alchemist exhibition where you turn up and you go, Hello, I can prove that if I combine these two things, <laughs> I'll make this. And the end of the game always comes too soon. And so you're always, you're 90% sure. So you just turn up and you go, look, I'm going to make a potion that does this. And everyone goes, yeah. And then you make another potion and you just, you're sick everywhere that's, in front of everybody at the convention. That's so, and so good. So, so everyone, it's so check games Is it well. though, because it uses the kind of, you know, the iPad or whatever. It uses, yes, it, it will use a, a phone or an iPad does that or mean computer that, device. Does that mean that it's something where like, in each game, the recipes are all the same, but you all take it in turns and don't know what the other people are doing. Uh, every game, I think it generates basically sort of a new seed. So for everyone, the combinations are always the same. So sure. you know, Do other people get to see what you've done? You uh, show the result. So you, so so you, you say, combi- I'm going to combine X and Y, and you I've made a potion of strength. Yeah, you so secretly you combine how. two things. Is there any gotcha. kind of... But you publicly announce the Because I was wondering if there's a, if there's an element of being able to like, trade recipes. I was going to say, could people? is there any no. negotiation? But could Not, you? Could you tell people? Um, I guess you could. I don't. I think that's massively against the spirit of how you're supposed to play. Okay, okay. But, uh, and that's fine. You can watch people grab stuff from the table and you can try and guess what oh, they have. Okay. Put it I was just wondering how it worked with the interplay. Because they go foraging for uh, stuff at the start of the round. and you know, they... Do they select what they're after? So if someone gets a lot of like mandrake root, you're like, oh, mandrake root must be for one of the ingredients of what he's making. Yeah, and you, you can make, again, you can make sort of educated guesses on Matt's grabbed loads of frogs and he's making a lot of very positive strength stuff so maybe <laughs> maybe it's one of the key things for that or maybe it's a thing to make people more intelligent oh man I'm um, excited to play but it's this. it's always guesswork and you fill in a little grid sort of in front of you um, so is it like a, pa- a pen and paper thing yeah you get a pen and paper grid it's like the Pad, old yeah. cryptic logic puzzles where oh I remember this I know what you mean of being like okay we'll cross that off that sounds yeah. kind of fun like it sounds like it you're is. actually really working your way towards a solution as well as everything and I'm else. bad at it, it as well so like, I always screw up that sort of stuff it also hilariously. sounds like a really smart use of like using a computerized device because it's the sort of thing like I guess in like ladies and gentlemen for example when you have the, the stock market you do change every time the the costs of things with a little card but that's not too bad because you could do it with cards you could have a list of like what everything does and you have like I don't know 
10 random things but it's just such a lot of work it's it makes that very easy it's it's a very easy way of just saying this time certain things are going to happen I mean, how many you different don't know potions are there oh there's there's quite a few there's what five or six or seven different reagents and then you know if you imagine all the com- different possible combinations of those together because is it you just mixing two things or can you mix three things i think and... you always mix just two just two just okay two together um, but it's it's enough that there's a lot of different stuff to try and you never really get to try enough by I the do, time, time the game. I love ending. having to do like the show at the end and not really being a hundred percent sure. It's it's an amazing thing of you've got that and you've got another element of the game that's publishing where you just you pub if you're the first to publish uh, an, a, a definitive work saying this does this, then you can potentially get a lot of prestige. Doesn't ah. matter if you're necessarily correct. Oh, what? And this can come back and bite you in the backside or not. So you get people rushing to announce stuff that they're not entirely sure about. <laughs> and wow. you get other people rushing could... to uh, sort of detract them. How could you not be sure, though? Because if you've combined two things together and made that, then surely you're sure. What's the element of... It's uh, It comes from there being so many different reagents. Uh, and I think there's six different potions, three positive, three negative... Um, and the, the fact that there's quite a spectrum of different stuff that can happen, and it takes a while to narrow all that down. I'm not describing it all that well. No, I'm just, yeah, I can't quite understand it, but is it that the different reagents have different uh, elements to them, and you have to work out what I the I think it's more that when you or? combine a thing with another thing, anything can happen. If oh, I'm, really? If I'm understanding the mechanics Well, that's what I'm trying to get correctly. my head around. Because oh, then... I see. So if you combine a mang- mandrake root with a frog, then... 90% of the time, or you if you get a result once, it doesn't guarantee you'll get the same result again? It's more, uh, I think how to describe it, there's three sort of factors. I think there's green, red, and blue. And each of them has a strength of sort of, some degree of strength in each of those, I don't know, uh, chemicals or something. Mm. Um, and some of them might, some reagents might be weak in both. So you combine it with something else and something that it's that the other reagent is very strong in dominates. But then you combine two quite weak things and something else comes to the fore. And so it's not just that one thing plus another thing equals... Oh, you're looking at their attributes. So it's more, about, something like it's more that. about the elements of what the item is. And you yeah. just got lucky because it's close, but then actually you've got to find something else which is... I, I okay. sh- I, if I had a physical copy, I'm describing this quite badly. It sounds like it's hard. I think I get it. You're I not publishing that root and frog equals a strength potion. You're publishing that green in the ascendant the, red in the negative yeah you're sort of saying frogs have this amount of this power in them <laughs> that's starting to sound more like an actual alchemy paper where you're talking if I'm about describing I think frogs it have this power in them I'm not yeah, sure yeah and they have it to this amount and then this frogs stuff has that power the power of love <laughs> and then you get money and everyone else is like that's bollocks that's a genius that thing. sounds like an actual alchemy but the, the first game of alchemist kind of crawls a bit because you you get used to playing with the app which is quite easy and you have to start scrolling down your guesses and because it's a check games thing, you know, there's special clauses for lots of stuff. Once you learn the special clauses, they're really easy. But, you know, your second game is better. Your third game is better. Okay, it's okay, okay. Little, give yourself a time, a bit of time for the first game. I've got it on the stack back home. I'm curious to try it. Uh, shall we do... I think you like it. Shall we go to the depths of Board Game Geek? All right, what is With my this? feature that I entirely failed to do we couldn't last do, time. Yeah, so I want to know what this we were is. Rushing. Because we Okay, well, so uh, as people at home may or may not know, Board Game Geek has a lot of sub forums. It's, it's a place with endless, bottomless information. Yes. More than 65,000 board games. And we've decided, well, this is their 
let's use it. So uh, this month I was thinking that let's look at some controversial games. And in fact, the first one is so controversial that I'm actually uh, being a coward and I'm not going to read it out on the podcast. <laughs> because I've decided it's a bad idea to even say some of these words. Fair enough. Uh, however, uh, however we, do have, we do have three board games here. Do you want to read what it is? And then people at home can okay, judge can, by I your reaction. It. It's I the mean... name in bold at the top. Oh, yes. No, that's... Yeah, yeah. that's there's that. That's not going to happen in the... Uh, on air. In what, the, that? And the top in the bold, yeah. What? Yeah, no. Okay. So, moving on. Uh, let's start with the first game on my list. So here's the thing. I'm going to tell you about a game called Capital Punishment, released in 1981. And then you're going to have to answer a true or false question. Because I've oh. made up one of the facts about it. So this was a game published for political reasons, uh, in which players... <laughs> this is a lot funnier than it was when I was writing it down. You're each given four inmates, and the board represents the prison system. And you're also given 15 innocent citizens. Right. Your object is to, using cards and dice, steer your four inmates through the prison system towards end goals of life imprisonment, death row, or the electric chair. And you may use your liberals, of which you have two, to spring the opposing players' criminals f- from the path of justice back to the street, because then they're inevitably going to commit crimes that kills that player's innocent citizens. Oh my goodness. So you are trying to... The, the winning condition is getting all your four prisoners dead or life imprisoned or whatever. That uh, is so grim. It Yes. Yeah. And the idea is if these criminals ever escape the prison system, they will murder people. It's almost like that game has got quite an overt political leaning. Yeah. You, 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 uh, anyway, so uh, is it true... <laughs> well, is it true that any murderer will murder again? No, Jesus. Good. Okay. Uh, that was a bit heavy. Because, of course, that is, that is true. Uh, is it no? Is it true that this game justifies this horrible theme by when inmates die, placing them on a section in the board that's marked heaven? <laughs> or did this game justify its theme by shipping with a booklet longer than the game's manual, justifying the game's stance using figures such as how many American prisoners go on to reoffend? Uh, unfortunately, the booklet was riddled with spelling mistakes, including repeated misspelling of the word prisoner. I'd say I think it might be that. I think it's the second one. You think it's the second one? I think it might be somebody who's realised that what they've made is actually a little <laughs> bit offensive. <laughs> and they kind of think, well, I'll just explain it. But they may be not the most intelligent person in the world. You're both wrong. Oh, you there just... Is a, there is a place on the board that's marked heaven. And that's where you place prisoners when they go. So even after their life... Is it where you place so liberals sort of people, as well? Oh, I don't know. The sort oh. of people who will definitely go out and murder people again if they're let out into I, the real world, go to heaven. I think you were right, though. I think it's the realisation that the game is a bit dark because it's basically a, you're putting someone into a meat grinder to be killed. I mean, listen, I'm not a religious man. I don't believe in the afterlife, but I really wouldn't like the idea of people who, when they die, would be happily planning to continue murdering it, if they weren't otherwise, would be also joining you in heaven. It does show the sounds like a, spectrum of political beliefs. Sounds like a, a bar they let oh. anyone in, frankly. Uh, so that was thank you Board Game Geek for your information on 1981's Capital Punishment Uh, I really wish there were higher resolution photos because the board is amazing Uh, speaking of which moving on 
Uh, we're going to change the format of that. In fact, we change the format every time. It's a very exciting and multi-hued quiz I've made. Evolution. So this is a recent game. 2008's Liberia Descent into Hell is the source of endless controversy on Board Game Geek as people try and discuss the ethical minefield that is this game. <laughs> it is a two-player game where one of you controls President Samuel Doe and the other plays the insurgent forces of Charles Taylor in Liberia's uh, revolution. Sorry, well, civil war. That's a better way to put it. Thanks to Terence Coe of Board Game Geek for assembling this list of what the game includes. I put something that is not really in the game in this list. <laughs> right. See if you can pick it out. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so this is a two-player war game that includes cannibalism, the drug trade, the prostitution trade, juju as an in-game currency, combat drugs, ransoming dead bodies, child soldiers, corruption, bombing UN aid convoys, blood rituals, transvestites, witch doctors, Saddam Hussein, general butt-naked, Singby the... <laughs> Singby the Magic Dwarf, Tank Commander Billius P. Tealeaf, Reverend Kanan Banana, Robert Mugabe, Kiss FM, the Freemasons, Born Again Christians, and the CIA. Okay. But I want to is... go home. <laughs> <laughs> I want it to be Kiss FM because that's the most mundane thing there. Surely it has to be Kiss FM. I, re- I mean, either that or the Magical Dwarf. But I don't... The thing is, I was like, oh, it's the Magical Dwarf. And then it says Kiss FM. Because like, <laughs> Kiss FM is so mundane. And surely in a Kiss civil FM. war in Liberia, that Kiss FM has minimal impact. I don't know. It might be the only thing that brightens up their day. <laughs> Matt is correct. Um, Kiss FM really is a feature in the game and was a feature of Liberia. Oh, um, God. The thing I made up in that list was uh, Tank Commander Billius P.T. Leaf. Singby the Magic Dwarf was also real, so was Blood Ritual and Juju as a currency. The re- this is actually a really horrific thing to read about. And, like, we're a, we're a liberal, like, blog. Basically, the reason it's problematic is Liberia's civil war really was, like, properly absurd. And all neighbouring African countries were just so baffled by what happens. Do you guys know about General Butt-Naked? Because I went down no, on Wikipedia. I do, I do. Joshua Milton Blahi is a member of the Sarpo tribe in Liberia, claimed he was initiated as a tribal police at age 11. Basically, he believed he was immune to bullets due to the horrible rituals that he performed, but as a result of that, charged into battle with his gun, some shoes, and nothing else. Yeah, but they were really nasty people. It was a very nasty. No, it was the worst war ever, and I feel bad wow. making jokes about it. However, a game with that shopping list of features is... is Remarkable. It's quite the thing, isn't it? Uh, I can't imagine why it ended up being controversial. I know, right? Uh, It did actually lead to an interesting question whereby, like, uh, a lot of people felt uncomfortable because it was a game. And, like, even as a well-researched board game of a war that had that much absurd stuff, it ends up reinforcing a lot of ugly stereotypes about Africa anyway. Yeah, Mm. Yeah, that's understandable. Even if there was actual blood ritual in that in Africa at the time is that something we should be supporting Jesus Christ I'm out of my depth moving on Public Assistance the welfare game in 1980 also known as Public Assistance Why Bother Working for a Living I've seen this (laughs) (laughs) is a roll and move game Uh, there's Daily Mail the game There are two tracks around this board, Matt. You're rolling and moving. One of the tracks is you have a job, and the other one is you don't have a job. Is it by any chance that if you don't have a job, life is just a piece of cake? Sure is, Matt. You make money from not having a job, whereas if you have a job, you'll slowly run out. Features spaces on the board that uh, include having an illegitimate child, whereby which is a good thing because the more illegitimate children tokens Cha-ching, you rack cha-ching. up, the, yeah, you're one step ahead of me. Of course. So here's the thing: uh, we all have either been on benefits or know someone who's been on benefits because uh, we are. Uh, filthy liberals but based on this list of five real life spaces from the welfare game let's determine whether this game is fair 
a fair treatment of the welfare system or not. Okay. okay. So we've got five things, and depending on whether we've done three out of these five things, first of three, uh, the game is justified or not. So first off, have any of us had an illegitimate child? No. 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 Good. Right. That's report. <laughs> that was an easy one. Has any have any of us spent a leisurely afternoon loitering in a gay bar? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. So we're one for one. The welfare <laughs> game has our number. Is that a welfare thing? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, on the board, it is. I was working at the time. I was buying drinks. Uh, not, I wasn't working at the. Not like that. Wasn't it? A... <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. I think the were. idea no, is no, you no, can't no, spend just, an afternoon yeah. at a bar if. Uh, oh, of course, if we knew, if you I, have I was job. thinking about the weekend. The oh, the weekend. I, was oh. Just, I just couldn't understand how that. Also, was... I believe the idea is if you are soliciting with the gays, then that oh, is also amoral. So one for one. Have any of us? Oh, there's an easy one. One of the tiles on the board is sleep all day. I've definitely I've done definitely that. slept all I've day. I've definitely before. done so that. Although sometimes because I just worked all day the previous day. Yeah, and see, this I is my thinking. Day. When I came back from GDC or like yeah. when I pull all nighters to do journalism. Yeah. But yeah, no, the game says that's a bad thing. Uh, fourth question. So if we lose one more, then, uh, then the yeah. game's justified. So <laughs> uh, next thing. Have any of us robbed the collection plate after high mass? I have never. I, I'm not sure I've actually been to church on a Sunday ever. No, I used to be in charge of uh, counting up the money from the collection plate at one point, but I never nicked any. Man, good. That, that's good. We got this back. So it all comes down to this. Final question is, have any of us ever hung out in front of a liquor store? <laughs> yeah. What, what, have you hung out, though? Well, I don't know. Don't do me so quickly, Matt. About hang out. I haven't. I mean... I haven't hung out. I've probably spent maybe no, most not, five minutes not, in front nah, of a liquor really, store. No, it's not a good place to drink. Boom. Can see. It's just not very interesting. Screw no. you, the welfare game. We're doing more interesting things than you could figure out for your board. And I always like the idea that, that people people are somehow gaming the welfare system, whereas the sort of people who are really interested in gaming financial systems, like, if, you're, <laughs> if that's what you're really into, then business is what you want. Yeah. Because like, you'll make loads of money. Yeah. Like, the idea that you'd be like, yeah, I'll get into this system gaming it, and then you would realise, oh, actually, I've kind of capped out how much money I can make from this. It is true that you the amount... Yeah. The, I, I have actually met in my life once a proper like benefit sponge, like the actual Daily Mail stereotype of someone who robs the welfare system. Tell you what, though, she worked so hard. Like, she was a reprehensible human being. She could have had a job, worked less hard, and got probably not more money, but, but like you have to prove you've been applying for jobs. It takes a very specific and special kind of person, and I think that there just aren't that many people could be asked. Right? You, you reckon it was just a thing that required so much energy to actually do it wasn't worthwhile? I haven't signed on, but I have been to the job centre and used that because the job centre is easier than signing on. And, like, actually, well, I mean, uh, well, I'm privileged and I'm, you know, like, white and able-bodied and all that stuff, but for me, getting a job was easier than signing on. I sort of another. Anyway, bad example. That was me raiding uh, Board Game Geek. Blimey. Well, it it was it could have been heavier, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I did definitely skip out on that first game. Um, and finally, uh, Corey Edwards has sent... Uh, yeah, this is a nice short one. Corey Edwards uh, from <laughs> oh, the yes. Antipodes, which is, I believe, a country next to Australia, uh, has sent us in a folk game. Corey writes, uh, I tried sending this a few days ago from my work email, but got an unimpressed reply from my human SIT manager. Apparently the words murder, booze, drugs, and sexy all send up flares with our email filter. Wow. Who knew? I thoroughly enjoyed the new spot on your podcast and had to contact you. The game we played was... Uh, yeah, it's murder, sexy booze. Uh, I've actually told this before and he was really annoyed and I think his exact words were, why was everyone else having fun as a teenager? <laughs> so Corey writes, the game we played was very simple. A large group of teens and preteens would fill a room... That 
detail now I realise <laughs> <laughs> and preteens would fill a room and one person would turn out the light everyone would then ostensibly remove an article or articles of clothing clothing and say things like I'm only wearing undies or well I guess this is he's from Australia right so I'm only wearing undies or I'm swinging my bra around my head that should probably <laughs> that be exact voice I'm swinging my bra around my head <laughs> I'm swinging my bra around my head <laughs> honestly my teeth are going everywhere <laughs> Uh, and then try, I was trying to follow that on with some ad lib, Matt, and couldn't. Uh, but now the image is at least with me. Oh and then, des- uh, and then desperately tried to put said articles of clothing back on when they heard someone move towards the light switch. Now, in truth, not a lot of clothing actually got removed, and this game was only truly exciting when a new kid came and didn't realise that no one else was really removing their clothes. <laughs> ah, the local meta game. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes someone would filch some booze or some of their parents' drugs. Which, which, by the way, how awesome is that sentence? Uh, some of their parents' drugs, which always made the game interesting, but mostly it was the idea that maybe, just maybe, that girl you met yesterday but were completely in love with had actually stripped off completely, and this was the start of an incredible weekend. Anyhow, that's my memory of folk games from folk festivals, Corey. And, you ready for the best bit? His email signs off with a signature. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. First Corinthians sixteen thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's but, kind of. I mean, aside from the, you know, if you take out the stealing drugs and booze from my parents, it's kind of adorable. I think if you leave it's it in, it's still, it's still adorable. <laughs> it, does, it does remind me of stuff that I sort of did at that age when you're on the cusp of being a teenager and you think you're doing something kind of thrilling and you never ever are. You never do it. No. <laughs> nothing, nothing bad. It's ever always happens. like you never misbehave. There might be. It's like a oh, thing that you know, might do. But yeah, we're getting together tonight. There might be something crazy. It's like <laughs> it's like the way that you psych yourself up to do a prank phone call for about an hour before you do oh, it. Oh yeah, yes. and it's rubbish. Yeah, but yeah. you're still like the thrill of it is like. <gasps> yeah, oh, life's oh pretty God, scary when you haven't done anything before ever. I guess. But it's like the equivalent of, true, of playing yeah. like it's, the, it's. It reminds me this whole thing of being like maybe people take clothes off of that thing of like when you're a kid playing strip poker just because like you're like oh maybe we could get people to take clothes off and then people never do when it gets to the point <laughs> when it gets to the point where somebody then has to take their clothes off any further they just go well no I'm not doing it it is that like, kind of national lampoon Ferris Bueller thing where like all the media that kids consume about other kids show those kids having way more yeah, fun absolutely yeah. than you ever do ever I think like the only stuff that happened to me as a kid. It's that, like with American Pie did that as teenagers as well. Oh yeah, I watched American like, Pie as a UK kid, and it's like, oh man, American kids sure have cool sex with beautiful women. It's like no, to no be fair, nobody I'm still does. Well, like, well, no, no, nobody really <laughs> eventually. But no, I find it. I do find that story like, but it always takes a lot longer than you think it will. Yes, maybe ten years, maybe more, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I do. I mean, if you put aside like the sort of encouragement of like you know, preteen, teenage nudity or whatever. Uh, I find that story really charming. It's like, for, it's ever since we started Shut Up and Sit Down, I've been bigging up Twister because like, these are like games that facilitate that level of excitement like in kids. You know, that's a hell of an achievement in and of itself. Like I remember probably games of Twister. Oh, I want to say that I remember every game of Twister I've ever played. <laughs> That's creepy. It is, but I've only played like three, maybe. Yeah, wow. I do actually remember. I remember playing Twister as a sort of teenager and being like, oh my God, this is like a bit... Especially <laughs> playing Twister and there was some girls that you quite liked. It was like... I mean, how exciting is which that? Is, which is funny because I remember playing it at a house party in my 20s and it was just really uncomfortable. And it yeah. was guys and girls being really uncomfortable together and the person with the spinner going... Ooh, wouldn't it be funny if Richard put his hand on red and Richard going, ah! 
<laughs> because he's like slightly leaning against a lady, but also it really hurts. I mean, but that basically sums up being a teenager, like very, very, very slight sexual reward for incredible frustration <laughs> and pain. It's very human. I don't know, but I, I love, I love all the details in this email. I, I do like the meta game, the idea that like you would just have new kids who wouldn't know that it was a joke. Yeah. It's like yeah. I can't think of them to hand, but I just love having those like really solid ongoing jokes where everyone just mechanically plays along with it. I like yeah, oh, this the is sort thing. of initiation things, the hazings. Actually, the the. The board with life guys are very bad at that in real life in the fact that they are just such brilliant wind-up mar- merchants. I've heard <laughs> stories about this. I don't know if they've ever done something to me. Apparently, they a bunch of them went on a trip with a guy to New York, convinced him that everything in New York is sticky. <laughs> <before> <laughs> and they did stuff like... Uh, they just put like sticky stuff on tables? And yeah, stuff. they yeah. Like, put, put something sticky on a banister before he touched it or yeah. put, put something sticky on a coin. And then he'd pick up a coin and go, ah, oh, sticky. Or put his hand on it. <laughs> the commitment because... to that bit is like so... That's the yeah. most impressive thing about it. Shall we... Are we... Are we, in, shall, we get enough of these <laughs> that... How are we doing for time, Matt? I could roll on into yet another folk game. Ah, you can do it. You could save it for next time. Oh, that that's your call. Cool. That would tease the people oh. at home and get them excited for next time. That's not tease music. That's... That's Batman. Batman. Batman, we need to take off our clothes while the lights are off. Robin, I've taken my mask off. I'm swinging it around my head. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for for listening. And if you do only listen to the podcast, know that it's just the beginning of a whole world of written of... articles and videos and other podcasts. Bane's taking his fur jacket off. Quinton's taking his advertising out. Oh, oh we look. Could, we could play it... this game with webcams and... No, no the you, internet. You can't. Why? Well, what? So we'd have to t- sort of have no. No, because someone would need to control the lights in your or your room flat, like the CIA. I know a guy. It's an effective way of making money. You want to know the best use, uh, Matt? You just got a new Nest system. I've noticed it's very warm in here because you're able to remotely turn on the heating. Yeah, I can remotely turn it off. No, no, no. It's fine. No, but here's what I'm going to say. You know, the best use of anyone uh, of Nest that I've heard because it seems like slightly creepy or Norwellian. You know what a friend of mine uses it for. It's when he's apart from his girlfriend, or they're in two different cities, uh, he's able to turn on a light in their flat that shows when he's thinking about her. Oh. Isn't that sweet? It depends. I mean, if you're trying to sleep... Matt, don't make this... <laughs> if you're trying to sleep... But it, Great. He's I, thinking about me again. I don't imagine it like a CIA interrogation light that just beams into your eyes. Still, flicking it on and off when you're, when you're trying to sleep gets a bit annoying. Yeah, my girlfriend sometimes trolls me by turning heating off when, I'm, when she's not here. <laughs> <laughs> or on I mean she can troll me in a nice way I'm going to heat you up a bit but more often than not it's like I'm going to really I'm going to get things hot in here baby when you hear the <laughs> clink of all the radiators turning on I don't like the idea of remotely controlled home things like that I cannot I thought it was so I'm just sweet and you guys the abuse. are both just taking apart my fantasy it's what yeah. we do it's what we do you that sure is do basically the plot of like the 1980s film Poltergeist that stuff in the house just does things by itself alright screw you guys the I'm blender off, turns I'm on I'm off to go and play Star Wars Armada where my dreams are untouchable and on the table in front of me and mainly about Star Wars goodbye everybody. goodbye goodbye